worship said, arise and shine. Uh, for your light arrives, the splendor of the Lord shines on you. For look, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the nations, but the Lord shines on you. His splendor appears over you. Nations come to your light and kings to your bright light. Look all around you. They all gather and they come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters are escorted by the guardians. You're going to look and smile. Go ahead and look and smile like you believe this word now. You'll be excited in your heart and swell with pride for the riches of distant lands will belong to you and the wealth of nations will come to you. Uh, camel caravans will cover your roads and young camels from Midian and Ephah and all the merchants of Sheba will come bringing gold and incense and singing praises to the Lord. All the sheep of Kedar will be gathered to you, the rams of Neboth and will be available to you as sacrifices. And you will go up to my altar acceptably and I will bestow honor on my majestic temple. Who are these who float along like a cloud, who fly like doves to their shelters? Indeed, the Kosans look eagerly for me. The large ships are in the lead, bringing your sons from afar, along with their silver and gold to honor the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has bestowed honor on you. Foreigners, they'll rebuild your walls. Their kings will serve you. And even though I struck you down in my anger, I will restore my favor and I'll have compassion on you. Let your gates remain open all times and they will not be shut during the day or the night. So the wealth of the nations may be delivered with their kings leading the way. Indeed, nations or kingdoms that do not serve you will perish. Such nations will be totally destroyed. And the splendor of Lebanon will come to you. It's evergreens, firs, cypress together to beautify my palace. I'm bestowing honor from the place of my throne. The children of your oppressors will come bowing to you and all who's treated you with disrespect will bow down at your feet. And they will call you city of the Lord, Zion, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. You were once abandoned and despised and no one passed through, but I will make you a permanent source of pride and joy to the coming generations and you will drink the milk of nations. You will nurse at the breast of kings and you will recognize that I, the Lord, am your deliverer. I'm your protector. I'm the powerful ruler of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I'll bring you gold. Instead of iron, I'll bring you silver. Instead of wood, I'll bring you bronze. Instead of stones, I'll bring you iron. I'll make your prosperity your overseer and vindicate you with a sovereign ruler. Sounds of violence will no longer be heard in your land or sounds of destruction and devastation within your borders. You will name your walls deliverance and your gates praise. The sun will no longer supply the light for you by day and nor the moon brightness shine on you. 
for the Lord. permanent one. You're the permanence. You're the radiance. You're the glory. You're the holy one. Bless the name of the Lord. All ye his saints, bless the name of the Lord. 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 We bless you, Lord. Yes, yes.
feet They would stop the ground And shake off all the things that weigh us down If our hearts could only speak Oh, they would sing a song A melody to remember we are yours Colossians 1, Paul was praying for the growth of the church, and he says this, starting in verse 9, for this reason we also, from the day we heard about you, have not ceased praying for you and asking God that he would fill you with all the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may live worthy of the Lord and please him in all respects that you would bear fruit in every good deed and that you would grow in the knowledge of God and that you would be strengthened 
with all power according to his glorious might for the display of all patience and steadfastness joyfully giving thanks to the father who's qualified you he's qualified you to share in the saints inheritance in the light and the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, uh, some of us have been dealing with a tug of war. And I want to like put the emphasis here, like a tug of war between the realm of darkness and the realm of light. But listen to this, what he says. Paul's saying, listen, I've been praying for you. I've been praying that you would be filled with all knowledge, that you would be filled with all wisdom, that you would be filled with all understanding and that your life would be pleasing to the Lord, and that every good deed and the knowledge of God would strengthen inside of you, and that glorious might would be on display in your uh, life. Why? Because you, listen here, you gotta hear this. You've been qualified by the Lord, not on what you do, but because of who He is, not because of what you've done, but because of who he is, that he's qualified you what? Qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your quality is not because of what you've done or what you haven't done or what you could do or what you haven't done. Listen, it's because of him. It's because of him. This is the translation out of darkness into the glorious light. When we magnify the man, a man who's qualified us, not unto me, not because of me, not because of you, because of the greatness of his name, the greatness of who he is. Yes, and I will praise him and praise the Lord. And out of the darkness and into the light you run. Why? Because of the quality, the quality of the man. The quality of the man, Christ Jesus living his life in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you see it? Do you see the wisdom? Because of him. Get your eyes off yourself. Eyes on the Lord. Glory the Lord. Praise the Lord and be translated, translated out of darkness into the glorious light. Yes. The tug of war is not with yourself. It's just believing what he's done, finished work at the cross, already completed for you, and living out of that reality, the reality now of Christ, Christ living in you. Yes, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you did. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Oh. Yes, praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. 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 Pra
think we have out of darkness Pull me farther to your light oh, 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 Casting down at the feet of the one true king. Whether or not the shadows respond, I don't care. But I come and crush the shadow.
So I went and looked it up, and it's uh, um, 
if you're familiar with concrete mixing, uh, um, you can blow air into concrete and it'll, it'll make the compound more stable, um, something like that. And it, so that, that's called an entraining agent when you blow something into it. And so I kept asking the Lord, I was like, what do you mean? Because I don't understand what you're saying. So he started showing me like our physiology and the way that, that he made us and that, and that that some of us have allowed another agents or agents into our body that are not good for our physical body. Um, and they, they harm our, our physiology. Uh, and it, you know, sometimes it's, it's done with addictions and different things. And I don't want to go into all the different aspects of this, but what I wanted to, uh, because the Lord's like, I want to remove the entraining agent because I want to be the agent uh, that feels the void. I, you know, I'll take the place, if you'll trust me, I'll take the place of the agents that you have used or um, are using, or maybe, I don't know, that are, um, that are harming you physically and I'll be the agent for you. I'll feel that void that maybe you get from another agency. I, and, and so, um, what I wanna do is, because there's gonna be a removal here of training agents, in training agents, where we trust the Lord. If that speaks to you and you're saying, hey, I." There's some stuff that I've been putting trust in, and I know, and I want to let it go. It's become an agency to me to help fill a void, and I want to get rid of it out of my life. I want to give you a chance to come here so we can pray over you. And please don't be embarrassed about this or anything. Our family just found out, and this was personal, coffee was an in-training agent for me, and I was able to give that up, and it's been one of the most glorious things for our family. So if you're dealing with that, just... Come forward and let's, let's pray. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit. We can let go of some stuff. We, we don't have to hold on to it. And the Holy Spirit will feel the void. There's some areas in our life that we just need to say, you know what, I've been trying to fill a void with something else and it's become destructive for me. It's hurting me and maybe hurting us in our relationships, hurting us physiologically. It's hurting us. It's hurting your anatomy. Some of you, he told me, you're suffering. You're suffering in your the private place of your life that no one knows about. Uh, you're dealing with a fatigue. You're losing your ability. Some of you are losing fatiguing uh, quickly, and your your health and vitality is not as strong as it's supposed to be. Some of you are dealing with addiction and it's really creating a problem for you. It's, it's a serious addiction, addictive patterns. Some, it has to do with, I'm just gonna say, there's some pharmaceutical issues. There's some, there's some um, other rogue issues of doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing because it's harming us. If some of you that feel led by the Lord, if you want to come up and just put your hands on some that have come for us, once you pray for them, and then we're going to just release it now. 
we think that these things are going to um, fill a void, and they do for into some way, but they're not as satisfying as he is himself. He's so satisfying and knows how to fill the void of our desire because he created us for these longings. We were made to have longings. Our heart longs for uh, rapture. Our, our heart longs for excitement. Our heart longs for transformative experiences. We were made for that. You were made to be fascinated. You were made for fascination. We were created for glory. But see, we got the Lord's like, I want to take out the darkness like Stephen started singing. And I want to put light in the place where the darkness has got down even into the mechanical aspect, even of your body, like uh, in the brain and try to convince us of things that hurt us in our minds and convince us that we should get our supply from da, 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 da. Who knows what it is? And yes, we've dealt with temptation. I go and go back. Okay, I quit this. I'm going to go back to it. There's freedom in the Lord. There's freedom. He showed me. I'm going to take out the entraining agents and I'll feel the void. I'll feel the void with myself. And no matter what the addiction is or whatever it is that's affecting us, I'll feel you just trust in me. They're placing all our trust in him. Serotonin, dopamine, levels, diving, back forward, looking for things. Oh, I feel, oh man, uptightness, anxiety, stress. The Lord is victorious over it all. Life of God, life of God, life of the Lord. Take a deep breath. I declare that I need you, Lord, more than my very own breath. I declare that you are the light of my life and you're my salvation. Mm, I place my trust in you. Hey, Jesus plus something equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus something is nothing, but Jesus... When you just give it all to him, everything. The life that you want, the eternal life, the life that you want to live beyond your wildest imagination, things that you cannot even, you cannot even mesmerize or think of, he has for you. Because of the goodness, the greatness, the glory, the glory of what he has uh, for you. All right, all right, now. Just stay with the Lord right here by the Holy Spirit ministers. Just, mm, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. is not on these things. My dependence is in you, Lord. I declare that I need you, Lord. 
that you're my life. You're my life and my salvation. You're my life and my only hope. Just say it to him. I declare you're my life. You're where my life comes from. every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Your enemy would tell you it won't last. You struggle too much, you'll never make it. Don't listen to the lie. I'm casting all my hope on you, Lord. Release, Lord. Release, Holy Spirit. Oh, release, Holy Spirit. I was made for you, Lord. I was created for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm uniquely and wonderfully made. Send me an eye. what I was made to know. I was made to be fascinated with you, Lord. Mm -hmm. I was made for you, Lord. I was created for you, Lord. Oh, you're the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. again. Renew our hearts. Make us whole. I'm casting all my cares on you, Lord. 
victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. (laughs) All my springs are in you. All my joy is in you, Lord. All my hope is in you, Lord.
say, maybe reach around and give each other a hug. Love one another. Jacob Carroll. Amen. I want to say this. Um, Every addiction is sobbed in worship. Every, every issue of the human heart, every longing of the human heart is sobbed when we go to him and we just worship him. I can testify of this myself. And I've seen the breakthrough in so many others. Worship is the path. When you just get in the presence of the Lord because he is who you're really longing for. It's, I mean seven days a week. I don't mean just here as we come and gather corporately, but I mean seven days a week. I mean in the morning when you get up, like Daniel, get before the Lord. And when you take your lunch, get before the Lord. And when you are going to bed, get before the Lord. And let the Lord become your life. God is God of the mountain and God of the valley. He's God... Yes, enthroned in the heavens now, but he's God in your households too. He's God everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's just one turn towards him. And when we set our affection on him, we say, I need you. He will be there. We were made for him. Created for him. And not just... Like this in the sense that he's outside of us, but the Christ nature that Jesus paid for living in you. Open your eyes to the new reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. No longer ashamed, no longer guilt-driven, but living a life of light breaking out. Total freedom, total creativity, total expression in the persona of who you are by the light of God in you living his life through you. This is our destiny. And don't you take another testimony other than that, the the testimony of Jesus Christ for you, for all of us. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, God. Let's begin this uh, afternoon in Philippians chapter 2.
uh, verses 12 through 15. Paul writing, therefore, my dear ones, and I love his affection, I love the affection of Paul towards uh, the congregations of Philippi in the sense of how he expresses himself and uh, the congregation as the ones who are dear to his heart. As He says, as you have always obeyed my suggestions. So this is a pretty good congregation. They've listened to the suggestion of Paul. Uh, <laughs> that you always have obeyed and that you listen uh, to my suggestions. I like this too because it's a good model of leadership that Paul exhibits that he makes suggestions in his leadership. And that's just a, uh, that's a whole entire preaching point, but not trying to impose our will or manipulate, but he's making a suggestion and that they were able to interpret or adhere to the suggestion. Um, sometimes when someone makes a suggestion to us, we take it as well, whatever, maybe, I don't know. But he says, you obeyed my suggestion, which means that they are a congregation of a um, intuitive type, I would say, or someone who discerns things deeply. Um, as you know, if someone else, you know, makes a suggestion, he might just blow it, blow it off. I've done that with our kids before. I make a suggestion, and they just keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know if you know what I mean. So now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent. And this uh, here, Paul is saying that when we're present together, you seem to take my suggestion and you do what I ask you to do, but much more so what I'd like to see happen is when you're in the privacy of your life, when no one's watching, I would like for you to adhere uh, to what I'm sharing with you in, in the place of uh, covertness, um, in a place where nobody's watching, where I don't have my proverbial eye on you, and you know how it can be, but you, you know how it can be that we can put on a good face in front of others, but then we're doing something else behind closed doors. But Paul is saying here, hey, listen, when you're behind closed doors, I want you to have the same mind in you, not just this mind in the public setting to act on good behavior, but I want your behavior to be good uh, behind doors. And so I want you to take my suggestion that you adhere to this. Now, and this is what he says. Hey, work out, lift weights. That's not what he said. <laughs> he says, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal to be fully complete your own salvation. Take, take your own salvation very seriously. Um, your relationship with Jesus, cultivate it. Spend time in, with him. Strengthen yourself in, in the time, like I was saying earlier, in the valley season of your family life or when you're alone. And some of you spend some time alone. Cultivate your relationship with the Lord. Let us definitely cultivate our life in God when we're here corporately. Yes, let us. But when we're alone, Paul's saying, cultivate, cultivation being an agrarian type term. Weed the garden. 
this thing, it's getting in, it's infecting my relationship with the Lord. This is getting in the way. It, it could be whatever, it could be anything. You know, I, I'm not here to say those things because I could go through a million things and we'd be here all day and you'd be wore out. But, it, but being tender to the Holy Spirit to cultivate and say, how do I, in my relationship with the Lord, grow something together with him and uh, be strengthened with him in the privacy of my uh, very own life? I want you to cultivate something with the Lord. I want you to do this because even for yourself, you know, um, some people, they, they think, and, and some of you have dealt with this, and I've heard this a lot, but, well, I have to go and take care of all these other people and do these, all these other things. And while that's good that we love our neighbor as ourselves, it is very crucially important that you yourself spend time in your relationship with Jesus on your own with some alone time. You need that. Um, years ago, I heard this. And I, I've said it to a bunch of my guys before, but I heard this uh, in aviation that if a plane is going down and you're, let's say that you're the husband and you have a wife and you have your children and the plane's going and it has to descend because let's say you've lost cabin air and the O2 mask, they'll fall out of the top panels. Who do you put the mask on first? Right, you put it, the, the person who's in most in charge puts it on their self first because you'll be no help to the little ones if you don't take care of you. And so in our culture today, which has been highly egalitarian, it's tried to uh, shift everything to, oh, you gotta go take care of everybody else and neglect this one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord. Never neglect your cultivation with the Lord, never. Make this a primary uh, feature of your life. And that's what I believe Paul is saying. He says, listen, um, Work it out with a reverence and an awe and a trembling. And so be aware, you know, awe and trembling has this idea of awe means, whoa, right? Like I didn't expect that. Man, what is up? I think that a lot of times we take, I know I've done this, because I had this happen today. I was totally swept off my feet by the Lord today before I came here. I'm always unaware, but I know like you need to go and just give yourself to worship and wait on him for the awe to come. A lot of what we've dealt with earlier talking about in training agents, other things that have become agencies in our life to, they're really, they substituted for awe because we were made for awe. You were made to be wild, fascinated, like, whoa, I mean, that was Man, you know, that was goodness, grace alive. Whew. Or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you were made that way. And if you substitute an training agent for awe, you'll miss your moment. And so that's what uh, Paul's saying. Hey, come to spend time during the week and get your uh, socks blown off. Get your, get, what is going on? Who knew that I could have an encounter like this? Because other things are trying to creep in and say, no, I'm more attractive. I can help you out better than this. And the Lord's like, no, let me be that one for you. Um, I can tell you this, you know, I was in the air. I put an aircraft, and I don't know if this appeals to all y'all. It appeals to some of you, but 10,000 feet, intentional flat spin, out of control flight. Love it. Adrenaline junkie right here. 
have to recover by 5,000 feet. If you don't, we, we have parachutes on our back. We have to jump out of the plane and, and bail out. So, and that would have been maybe cool too. <laughs> you get to jump out of the thing and, you know, uh, like go to the ground. And um, I say, well, put this thing in. It's just whack, 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 because the plane is like crazy. And I was made for awe. <laughs> and so were you. And whatever it is that gets our motor running or whatever, it's the Lord. And uh, not to say you can't do out-of-control flight. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're trained, though, or, you know. Take this confidence in the Lord. And he says, so he says, for it is God who is, is effectively at work in who? In you. The effectual work of God is operating in you in the place of this uh, trembling, in the place of this awe, in the place of the devotional life with him. He's the one who's working something out in you. And we don't want to take another in training agent, so to speak, to work something out in us when we have the effectual work of God wanting to be there to uh, work out something in us. Uh, the thing is, is, you give your life to, the, the, to this daily trembling, awe, relationship, worship with him, you grow. Otherwise, if you use in training agents, you spin in some kind of circular mo motive like this and you go nowhere. And some of you know that. You, you, you'll be lost as a, I don't know. I don't know what's really lost. Um, what's lo lost like your socks. Thank you. I mean, does everybody else do that too? They lose that one sock in the washing machine. That thing eats socks. I don't know what it is. We have like a bag of socks that are all one sock and there's no matches. I think we have like 800 Rome match socks. I told Kara we should just buy all white socks and then it'll be done with it. All the same size too. <laughs> so he goes on and he says... Um, it's both to will and to work his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight in you. I mean, I could stay here all day on this verse, but I must go on because I have a whole entire thing to go through with you today I'm really excited about. That, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated. Well, let me tell you, holiness and the way that it's been presented by some people was like this horrible person to be around. But let me say this, holiness here is this real pure conscience. I mean, that you know deep down inside that you have no gall in your mouth. You're not, it's not like curdled milk coming out of your mouth because that's what gall is. It's like soured milk in your mouth. It's, gallless means that the purity is coming out of your mouth and that when you say something or do something, it flows from a consciousness that is so pure and righteous and holy and that when you wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night, you have this pure conscience. Ladies and gentlemen, you want that life. It, it is phenomenal. Uh, Paul will later on, he says this to the Corinthian church, he says, I have got to a point in my life where I can tell you this, that as far as I know, my conscience bearing witness before you and before the Lord, I am completely free of anything that I've consciously done wrong. I am living a life before the Lord, not a perfection, 
but a life before the Lord where I am in complete in connection with him working his life out in me. There's no guile in my mouth that I am living a conscious, a sin conscious free life. The writer of Hebrews will write that in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, that you can live free from the consciousness of sin. And friends, you dear ones, you want that life. That's the life you really want. That's why, that's why we've, a bunch of people try to disconnect from reality all the time. Because the conscious is plagued with things that are not right, and we want it right. It makes you feel so good. It's so wonderful. So he goes on, he says, you can be blameless, guileless, innocent, and uncontaminated. Children of God, without a blemish, faultless. Uh, listen to this one, unrebukable. When a man's ways please the Lord, he will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. That one, that one speaks volumes. You mean to tell me that even my enemies could be at peace with me? Yes. When your ways please the Lord, they will. So it's not everybody else's fault getting on your case and all that stuff. The Lord wants this holiness in our life, works out in our life. Something that he is willing to work through you. So in the midst of a, uh, midst of a crooked and wicked generation that are spiritually perverted and perverse, a people that are living in a way that they should not, among whom you shine. And this is, this is what got me today, as stars in the cosmos. The translation there is like, some say it shine as bright lights, but the proper translation in the Greek is that you would like illuminate as a star in the, how do I put this, in the dark matter of the cosmos. That your life would be so bright the Greek on this is used in one other place. We'll look at Revelation 21, 9 through 12. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of the seven final plagues came and spoke to me saying, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me away in the spirit to a huge majestic mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God. The city possesses the glory of God. It's brilliance. Same word used here for star, the same word in the Greek. It's only two places it's used in the New Testament. That you will shine as the stars, same word here used for its star-like star -like look is a precious jewel. Speaking of the New Jerusalem. It's like a stone of crystal clear jasper. It's massive high wall and 12 gates with the 12 angels at the gates and the names of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel are written on the gates. And so there's our, um, there's our foundation today lay for um, where we're gonna head with this. So just a little backstory. We did a series here, um, it lasted for seven weeks, and uh, I got a real kick out of this because uh, from X2M 145, which if you don't know what X2M means, it means exit to millennium. Um, and we had seven weeks here of um, a series called the Starcaster, or you know, as I termed it, the Starcaster Blaster. 
and we went through this series on the word it said, you're gonna change your P words because we, we did all these words that started with P, out of, but that's a funny thing. But <laughs> and then the word said, I want you to go to Q. And I, and I said, you want us to be on our P's and Q's, Lord, don't you? And um, he said, yeah, 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 you could call it that. And so we moved over to these Q words and then the word's like, I want you to call the first one quantization and then you'll call the next one quant pulse and there's quant graviton double O and quant graviton X, quant grav graviton M. And then we had a quintessence, quintessence X to M. And then uh, last uh, week before the baptism is called quasar. Now, you know, all this is new to me too because I'm like, what are you doing, uh, word? And, and, and uh, you know, what is this about? And so uh, a few nights ago, I was I guess a couple weeks ago, he said, you're going to transition the congregation into something he, he wanted me to start called Star Cluster. And so we got Star Caster and a Star Cluster. And he said, the Star Caster Blaster goes in your left hand and the Star Cluster goes in your right. And he said to me uh, early in the morning, I guess it was on a Saturday night, early Saturday morning, about 3.30 in the morning, I woke up in an encounter and he says, I want to restore uh, the thunderbolt to my people. And I'm going to give them back the thunderbolt. And I said, oh man, that's really cool. I was like, because you know, the throne of God is, has the, uh, the thunders and the lightning, you know? And I said, oh, that's cool. And he said, and, and look, son, you could take your star caster and that'll be the lightning. And you could take your star cluster and that'll be the thunder. And then I said, oh man, this is cool. You know, because uh, you get a, something that goes out like this and then something that, you know, like this, like having a bomb in one hand and a, some kind of electrical ray gun in another hand. And, um, you know, because when we had come through the series on Star Child, I mean, for me, Star Child was just like phenomenal. It took us 34 weeks, nine months to the day Star Child's born. It's like the coolest thing goes with Revelation 12. And if you haven't heard those messages, go back and listen to them. They're really cool. There's like 34 events that we have. And the words, like, I want to build a star child. I'm going to build a whole family of star children. I'm going to build a family that's going to shine like the stars. I'm going to take this darkness and there's going to be a translation out of darkness into light. I, Stephen and I did not discuss his song sheets, we, I don't think we ever do. Sometimes I'll say, can you play this song or whatever? And he, you know, he gladly does that, or I, I think he's glad about it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and he gets up here and he's singing this song, the first song about coming out of darkness into light, and we haven't even talked together. And that's my whole message today, is the translation, the, the translation that Colossians is speaking of, out of darkness into light. Because the Lord has the interest, the interest in a childlike star people, a people that have this vulnerability and dependence in them that needs nothing else but himself, but also in the place of that vulnerability and dependence, shine. So, um, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, rise, rise and shine. Like I read at the very beginning, for your light has come. And so, uh, that's phenomenal. God's building a star children. 
a star-like seed that Abram, Abraham had uh, been a part of uh, bringing forth, and that seed will travel all the way through and get to the Lord. And then the Lord would do his amazing acts of what he does before the whole cosmos. And at the end of the age, this eschatology, the eschatological end that we're coming into in the exit to millennium that the Lord would be glorified and that an expanded family would come forth that would be bright as the sun, bright as stars, glory and radiating light. As dark as we've been in our soul and as hard as things have been, the Lord was taking us and doing a work in us. And then he would give us a star caster blaster and a star cluster bomb. (laughs) So I was a little like, this is amazing, you know, we get to be the star children, but then you're going to equip us. So what it is, is is equipment. It's equipment to restore the the thunderbolt. Uh, To restore something back to humanity that was lost in the fall. You know, a number of weeks and... I don't remember which one that was, a prosecutor. One of our events here, you know, was up here, and the Lord's like, you know, your enemy stole your lightning. He stole that electrical impulse, um, that electrical life that goes through that gives us wisdom, like instantaneous wisdom, and know how to execute and uh, bring things. He, he took it from Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned. Of course, they, he deceived them, but they did and did against what the Lord had told them not to do. And he took their lightning, he took the thunder, he took, the, um, he took what mankind was originally uh, ours. And of course we know that second Adam, Jesus came to restore all things back to us. And this is the age of restoration. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a reformation. This is a restoration of all things. Where God takes what has been taken uh, by our enemy and derobes him and defrocks him and gives back to us everything because of what our Lord did. So to restore back what fallen humanity has lost, the, the longings of the human heart to be restored, the character of God to be put in us, but not just give us character, but to give us the the equipment that we need to be effective and effectual in um, our life and our daily round. And we don't have to live in a beat down thing. We don't have to be constantly um, emaciated by sin and constantly dealing with problems all the time when we could have this life of God flourishing in us and the equipment and tools that we need to execute for the greater glory of our Father. Yeah! Yeah! And our enemy, man, I know he's shaking in his boots at the lot of you. (laughs) It is. And so, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, well, let's see. well, back up just, just a bit, X2M 147. Some of you remember thunder and lightning, rain's pelting this building. Remember that? It's shaking the whole building. 
uh, Kara comes up and the real shaking starts to happen. <laughs> if she speaks like E.F. Hutton, you better listen. And she says, it's kind of like repentance. <laughs> and and uh, Steve Scroggs, he looks over at me, he's like, oh no, repentance again. You know, and I, and I was thinking the exact same thing. And she says, you know, the words give her these various different words about circumcision of the heart and, um, and the importance of, um, of what had happened when Moses, when Moses was on his way uh, to rescue Israel. He had spent 40 years in Pharaoh's house. That's some kind of training right there to start out with. A man of math and science and all the Egyptian way. And in 40 years on the backside of Horeb, uh, under a Midianite uh, trainer, Jethro, caring for uh, sheep and learning uh, the ways of the Lord, really being uh, humbled by the Lord, uh, to be able to begin to see him, seize him at the burning bush finally, a bush that is uh, not consumed with fire. He begins to notice the Lord. The Lord, had, I believe, had always been there, but it took Moses some 40 years before he noticed him because he probably, just like many of us, have just been going on with life and missing the Lord when he's right there beside us the whole time. Uh, because I believe there's probably more bushes burning up in the wilderness than the one Moses finally saw. It's just this one wasn't consumed. It was that fine distinction that happens to a person when they get trained in vulnerability and humility. They begin to notice that difference in the characterization of something, and they begin to uh, sort of look into it. And it says, and Moses looked aside to see the bush that was not consumed. His eyes began to behold this one, and he says, the I am is there as you know, and he calls him. And Moses began to understand this God. He began to see him for who he was, or he is. The I am. And so anyways, and Moses is, uh, gets his uh, commission there and has a conflict with the Lord in a way. It made the Lord mad. Uh, and that's a long story, but um, basically, and just put it really, snap it up really nice like, Moses wanted to divide the priesthood and the kingship into two different systems. He wanted to make Aaron high priest, and he would be like the, the royal figure governor, and the Lord was angry because he wanted to put that into one man. That's called the Melchizedek order. And instead, it became an Aaronic order, an order that has really moved throughout our generations, been a real problem, honestly, because when God made a human, he made them with this king-priest nature in them. And he was angry at Moses because of this bifurcated thing, and he didn't, the Lord didn't want that. Nevertheless, he goes. And on his way to go and rescue uh, Israel, it says that the Lord sought to kill him. Now, in the Hebrew, it's not necessarily specified why he did, but, or who he wanted to kill, whether it was Gershon, his son, or Moses. But we would think he wanted to kill Moses. Why would the Lord want to kill an innocent uh, boy? Uh, for his dad's wrongdoing. And it was because Moses had not circumcised Gershon. And the, under the law, which interesting of itself, because the law of Moses at this point, I don't believe it had been written, but the Abrahamic forebears that had come up, they knew, those men knew to circumcise their sons. Is a circumcision being something that Paul is going to speak about later, that 
and I want to say this really clearly, that Abram was justified because he was believed before he was even circumcised. I need to say that because some people think that, well, if you don't, you know, circumcision makes you justified. No, it does not. The Lord is the one who justifies you. But in regards to sanctification and moving forward with the Lord and developing a relationship with the Lord, yes, there was this rite of circumcision that will happen with Abram in Genesis 17. And then Moses is to, to obey that injunction. And uh, there's different commentation on why he didn't obey that injunction. That Zipporah possibly did not want him to circumcise the boy because she was Midianite. And, um, and maybe they got into an argument. But she knew and became more aware that the Lord would sought to kill Moses if he didn't circumcise the boy. And so she goes and circumcises Gershon herself and throws the foreskin at Moses' feet and said, here's your bloody thing. When Kara came up here that Sunday, for years, a few years ago, the Holy Spirit had told me one day uh, this ministry is going to go through a rite of passage where it's going to hit a place in the third heavens. Now, uh, this is kind of advanced training, but all of you can receive this because you've been, um, been trained. There are seven aspects of heaven. The throne of God sits in the seventh heaven. And so this ministry, every event that we have, and I, so that you know, but every event we host here is an ascension event. We are actually climbing into another aspect in the heavens to ascend up because we're on our way to the sapphire throne. Why? Why are we on our way there? Because it says, when you see him, you will be like him, for you will see him as he is. And so we want to go up and see him. We want to behold the living Lord. And so for years, in the days of Melchizedek House of Prayer, which was how this ministry originated and then became double OMZ, Order of Melchizedek, and then now it's the Collider. The purpose has always been for ascension. It's been a, a, life, a, a sacerdotal life of sacrifice and giving to keep climbing. At Acts 2 m 147, when Kara came up, and the rains and thunder and lightnings pelting the whole building, she comes up and, I, and the Lord says, this is a rite of passage into the fourth heaven. And I said, oh, I know this. I know this. You, you taught me this. You prepared me a few years ago. And uh, he said, you know, bring up the two doctors. So we brought up Dr. Victory and Dr. Gross because he has shown me that they both had a circumcision right in them. Bring them up and they'll pray over the congregation because it's going to take a double circumcision to access into the fourth heaven. So they came up and prayed. And so we prayed and we asked the Lord for, for his will concerning us. And then because, and I, I want to just kind of lay this out simply is, um, well, it's not simple, <laughs> but our ministry had got into a place in the third heavens, and he's like, we have to access in the fourth heaven. Now, the Lord shows me this, that there are only two kings in Judah that ever dealt with the fourth heaven reality. In all the 31 kings of Judah, only two did what was right before the Lord in regards to this, of staring down, tearing down the high places or the heights. Those two kings were Josiah and Hezekiah. And Josiah was probably the better man for it all because Josiah was eight when he became king. And 12 years later, it says, when he's about 20 years old, he tore down the high places. 
or the heights. No other king in Israel beside Hezekiah did that. And so the Lord tells me, um, and it was an odd thing. I woke up in the middle of the night. I woke up, the side of my face is like really hurting. I got like hit in the side of the face or something in the middle of the night. And the Lord basically lets me know. I'm telling you, son, you deal with the high places and the heights. I want these things tore down and I want them dealt with. I'm like, where are they at? Just show me one. You know, years ago, I don't know if y'all know this, but <laughs> the Vance Monument downtown that used to be there, there was about, I think Sean might've been with, I don't remember, but years ago, we're in a prayer meeting. The Lord says, go walk around that thing seven times and I'll bring it down. And we went and circled that thing seven times. And I don't know, some years later, they dismantled that whole thing. Because uh, the point is, is that the Lord wants to take this idolatry and these things that, that get the better of the heart and he wants to uh, deal with them. And I said, where are they at? Just show me one. And he said, well, it's in you. <laughs> I don't want any high place. He said, oh, I'll show you. I'll show you. And I'm, I'm going to make myself vulnerable here. And I'll show you a high place. I'll show you how it worked out in me. Kara and I were pulling up with the kids up to the uh, stoplight, uh, going into Fletcher. My eye's hurting because I get knocked in the side of the eye and think it's like a sty, but it, it hurt the whole outside of my eye. And uh, I'm texting uh, to get a prescription. And, um, and we're pulling away. And Kara says to me, she says, should you be texting and driving? And I said, I'm done with this now. Don't say that to me again. You know, I don't want you telling me uh, not to text the drive. Because I was like, the kids are listening. And they think I'm doing them wrong. And, you know, this is really going off. And uh, don't show me this disrespect. <laughs> hey, so I'm being vulnerable, you know. And so um, that didn't go too well. Not so much about Kara not going well, but she did end up showing me the law and the law came and the sin revived. <laughs> and um, the law does say you are not allowed to text in your vehicle if it is not in park. Now, I'm telling you all that because don't do it. Because you're putting your life in other people's at jeopardy. Okay? And so save yourself an accident or someone else's life. But I also, I'm not telling you for that reason. I'm telling you because my whole thing of disrespect. And the Lord said, that's a high place. You've held yourself in too high regard. And you are not above the law. And you're not above someone correcting you. And I said, oh, man, Lord. So I had to repent to her like five times over because of other things I said. Which wasn't fun. <laughs> But it felt good afterwards. And she forgave me. She's a good wife. And she's a good wife anyways. But I thank you, Kara, for forgiving me. And then came up the circumcision thing. I thought she was going to call me out on stage. He was texting and driving. And I, I was up here like in fear and trembling. I said, please don't tell everybody. I don't want them to know that I was doing something wrong because I don't want to be doing things that are wrong. <laughs> when she was up here saying that, I thought, Oh, no, for sure. I'm about to get down on my knees right now and repent in front of the whole congregation. My wife's going to say, he wouldn't listen to me in private. I'm calling him out in the front of the whole congregation. 
I'm invoking Matthew 18 on him. <laughs> Bring it before the elders of the church. <laughs> so. And the Lord said, that's your high place. To hold yourself in such high regard that you cannot be corrected. And I, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, a little thing slipped in me. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was just trying to get a thing, and I had already finished texting. I was just reading it. I mean, I'm trying to every angle. Mm-mm. She's not having none of it, you know, and neither was the Lord. Now, don't go through rolling stops and all this stuff. You know, I mean, it's like, my goodness. And the Lord's like, this is why. You know, it's funny. The next day, Melinda Scroggs calls me and says, you know what's going on in the church? I said, what? She said, the Lord told me. It's a lack of the fear of the Lord. She said, the Lord told her the reason why the Lord will not release power on the church is because of the need of the fear of the Lord. And it comes down to little things like that. The Lord wants to release power, real power in, in and through his people, but it's like we're missing the little thing. And it's the little thing that matters to the Lord. It's the thing that Colossians, that Philippians, excuse me, that, Paul was saying, in your private life, work out this with all diligence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, in awe and the reverence of the Lord. Don't let the little things slip in your life. And man, it really got a hold of me. And then I had two other issues come up, and they were, but all disrespect. You're disrespecting the man. You know, you know who I am. Do you know who I am? Do they know who I am? I'm a little child. <laughs> it was going back to childhood, trying to assert the manhood stuff. It wasn't working. It's not working with the Lord. You know, you have more authority, actually, in your humility than you'll ever have in your domination. Or denominations. Anyways. <laughs> or denomination. Anyways. The money. Uh, that's not where your authority comes from. Your authority comes from the Lord. And so I said, okay, let's deal with it. Man, I repented. I was just like, I'm... You know, and this tenderization of the Lord comes in, tenderizes our hearts to try to find the expression inside of others, and the Lord deals with it. It's 319, okay? So we're not even two hours in. So I'm just getting warmed up. Just getting ready. Lock and loaded. Bomb. Starcaster blaster. Anyways, <laughs> so I was like, oh, Lord, you're giving rite of passage. You're giving rite of passage this congregation? Oh, man, amazing. A few weeks later, we're up here. It's going to be the Sunday quintessence. Quant graviton double O stands for that double O, right? And then X and M happens, and then it's time for quintessence. Come up here, Stephen begins to worship. The song of the Lord goes for. And what happens in these events with worship, it's like we'll run up against a stop. It's probably like a veil or something. I don't really fully understand it. And then we'll run up against another one. You'll feel them in the events. You'll feel a boom, And then there's got to be something that will happen, usually congregationally or something. And then boom, we'll hit another one. Well, that Sunday at Quintessence, it's so like, slam, slammed up to the first one, like instantaneous. I was like, oh man, it's on today. It's not like a long, like, man, we got to get through this. We got to worship our way through. Boom, up against it. I was like, oh, let's go. You know, 
brace for impact, you know, go in like this, because if you see me do that, it's just like accelerate and accelerating into the press of the Lord. <laughs> climbing, 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 climbing. You know, ah, boom, hit the next one. And uh, from what I can understand from the Holy Spirit, because I have received like probably at least eight to 10 days of encounters over this one experience. It's probably one of the most extensive experiences I've ever perceived, and I want to share a little bit of it today. But up to the stop, up to the next stop, because the soul becomes a chariot, and the chariot of the soul just flies hot. Um, it's not a UFO. It's a chariot. It's in the Hebrew, it's called a merkava. The soul flies, accelerates into the Lord, because when in holiness, there's no obstacle. There's no need to like work through this issue and that issue. There's no sin that's so easily besetting us and weighing us down because our consciences are clear. And so this desire to be in these heavenly experiences that we all were made for is just like, bam, bam, and we're there. And I, you know, sometimes I've said to the Lord, I was like, oh man, the congregation needs help. I was like, uh, he's like, yeah, we got to deal with some stuff. Uh, you can't go on uh, until we uh, pray for everybody. I was like, oh, dang, have it. <laughs> just playing. I love y'all. But I was just like, let's just get on in, up in there. Sometimes it's like, let's just go fly like a rocket, all of us. Y'all get your stuff done before you get here. Pray and get yourself ready so we can just be in there. You know what I mean? The Lord loves us. You know. <laughs> he loves you. And I'm sorry, I've been a little ambitious, you know. A, a, little, a little zealous about the things of the Lord without knowledge. <laughs> Anyways, he's like, I love my people, son. Let's deal with some stuff and we'll all go together. Okay, let's go together. Let's go together and fly up into the heavens together. So that Sunday and then boom. So I'm up here and, uh, and I'm like, boom. And then I said to myself, I've been doing CrossFit and I get, I got this awareness, I could take this. And I say that, I could take it, Lord, my heart can take it. Uh, because this light, light, sprinkling light of darkness appears in front of me. And it's like this, I don't know, some kind of like thing. And so I'm like this, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, bring it, you know, like in myself. And then... <laughs> And then all of a sudden, this like dark matter energy goes, and then I was like, bam, hit the deck. And I, was, I checked my heart rate after because I monitored my heart rate. It shot to almost 150. And some kind of, well, quintessence. It goes inside. I laid here. It's grief and the love like never felt about how much the Lord loves his people and how he longs for this union. And I mean, he's like, I long for them. I long, and it takes me out over the city. He's like, I long to bring myself to them. And I've been looking for a people, for, apparently it has to be this way, where I can get a people into a position where I can pour myself out through them. And it's just, you know, and my dad's up here and Tom's up here and, and uh, Steve comes up and, 
and uh, Jeff's up, you know, praying, Henry, and the Lord is like moving this just incredible moment. Um, it's a week before Yom Kippur, or Kippur, and, um, and so I, I want to share some of this, because some of you have asked me to share this, and I, I thought it was appropriate today, or the word told me it was. So um, kind of build off this a little bit, a couple weeks ago, we had our event here, and I ended up preaching out of Song of Psalms 6. And in Song of Psalms 6, I believe it was uh, the, um, the psalmist, uh, Solomon says, I went down to the orchard or the, uh, the garden of nuts. <laughs> Anyways, that's us, guys. <laughs> Anyways. And I went down to look for the blossoms in the valley. Now, You'll see how this will connect. He said, I went down into the valley, and this valley that he went down into, some say, was the Jezreel Valley. And it means um, God sows or uh, God plants. And so um, it comes from this, like the word Zara, Jezreel, Zara, that means the Nazarene or Nazareth, or, you know, it's even used in the word for Zerubbabel. Um, and again, it means to be sown of God. So it says, I'm going down there because I want to see, uh, the work of God that is happening. I want to see if the vine has budded. I'm wanting to see if the pomegranates are in bloom. And I was beside myself with joy. There, please give me your myrtle, daughter of my princely people. And I, I preached that message to you because he said, this people that I have, they're the royal family. Uh, you. And I really touched me a couple weeks ago sharing this with me and, and also saying that the congregation needs to go through a baptismal ordinance rite that some of us needed to be set straight in baptism. And a number of you were baptized last week in the river to prepare for the whole congregation to begin to ascend through into this fourth heaven and on up. And because in the same way, like Moses and with Gershon, get the congregation in order. Because I intend to take us up and I need circumcision and baptism having a symbolic similarity. Um, I want the congregation ready. That was the reason for, one of the main reasons for baptism, right? Uh, last week, and if some of you are still not baptized, we'll baptize you because I have like this responsibility for the Lord to make sure everybody is set right as we go up. And to also speak to this because, and I, and I want to make you aware because some people have been commenting back to me and been dealing with things the Lord's going to deal with stuff. And I want to, this is a warning and a blessing. But I just want to warn you and I want you to be blessed in this. The Lord is going to be putting his hand on situations in our life and exposing things. And, and please don't leave in the exposure. Repent. Because the more you ascend closer to his holiness the more stuff comes up and, and it's going to come out. And it's easier 
uh, to just go ahead and say when it gets exposed, because there are these private things and things that the Lord is going to bring them out. And don't, it doesn't have to come out publicly. I, I recommend, I highly recommend that if, if you're carrying around private sins or doing things, go ahead and find one of our, someone you trust in that's here or someone you can talk to, go ahead and confess your sin. Go ahead and say, you know, hey, I got this thing going on in my life and I need to offload it. I need to talk to you and I need to repent before the Lord. Because uh, that's, it's a rite of passage, but with the high places and the heights being dealt with, the Lord's going to begin to deal with some things. And for some of you, you might, be, you might deal with some despair. You might be dealing with some feelings of uh, being unhappy or just being feeling forlorn somewhat. We, we dealt with that in one of our events. But just go ahead and say, Lord, are you putting something, are you dealing with something with me? And let him, let him deal with it. It may take you by surprise, like coffee took me by surprise <laughs> after Kieran set me straight. You know, let the Lord identify some things in our life and go ahead and let's go ahead and deal with it. Why? Because he's taking us up. Why? He's translating us out of darkness in this glorious light. And so by virtue of breaking through, I've, I find out from the Holy Spirit when going through those stops that day and, and coming up and he says, I am the holiness and then zooming on the way up, him saying that, you know, when he said in Ezekiel 36, this is what the sovereign word says is not for your sake. I'm about to act oh house of Israel, but for the sake of my holy reputation, which you profaned among the nations where you went, I will magnify my great name that you profaned among the nations that you profaned among them. The nations will know that I am the Lord declares the sovereign Lord. When I magnify myself among you in their sight, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and I'll bring you to your land. It's a promise of great restoration, but the Lord's saying, it's, I'm going to do this and I'm going to magnify my name through my people. Now remember that day, that's what struck me so deeply and intimately is the Lord's desire to magnify himself through his people. That I will magnify myself. We merely can just, I worship you, Lord, but let him come. And then in his coming to deal with us, to deal with truth and sin and righteousness and holiness and bring us into uh, this place in him as we're ascending uh, with him. Um, I go home. I'm, I'm just going to share. Let's see here. I've got too much here. Let me see what. What I'd like to just say in, in my closing here. Right here we go. If you're in the Star Child Challenge, you'll know what I mean by S2 and S4. But S2 is our biblical meditation and S4 is our reading. And I opened up into uh, chapter 17 within a day or so of this experience. Excuse me, in the, I'm, I'm reading through the Apocalypse of Abraham and it says... The reader, again, encounters this terrifying presence, this celestial furnace as the flames envelop the visionary and celestial God on their progress to God's abode. And while he was still speaking, behold, a fire was coming toward us round about, and a sound was like the fire or sound of many waters, like a sound of the sea in its uproar. 
And upon his entrance into the celestial holy of holies, the visionary again passes through another fiery uh, threshold. And while I was still reciting the song, the edge of the fire on the expanse rose up on high. And he, he goes on to talk about how he's breaking through these thresholds in the apocalypse of Abraham as in this ascent and, and going uh, closer to the very throne of God. And how that the purpose of this was for something called a uh, fiery apotheosis. I don't know if you know this kind of language, but theosis meaning um, this union with Christ and this taking on his nature. Uh, but in the gospel of death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, right? A lot of the church is majored in the death. The church is majored in the burial. Some of the church is majored in resurrection, but, but the assignment here is to major in the ascension. And so in this climbing, as you're ascending in the Lord, greater holiness is uh, coming and, and greater taking on of the divine nature that Peter spoke of. They're passing up through a threshold. And when I sit there and read that and I said, oh man, there it is. And so, so I began to read, read down more and it says this in the Talmud. It says, in the upper part of the universe, there are seven heavens. And it goes through these uh, seven aspects of the, uh, of the heavens. And so it goes through like the, uh, the first and the second and the third. And they lays them out in scripture as they're written in the Hebrew. And I get to the fourth one. And the fourth heaven, the one that we're, I'm speaking of today, the one that the rite of passage comes through and where this quintessence or this energy or essence that is coming from the Lord, its very own nature, is called Zebul. And that's the name of the fourth heaven. Zebul is the root word for what? Zebulun. And Zebulun means uh, the dwelling place of God. And so I, I was fascinated uh, that day because the Lord is like giving, giving this, even when I'm just reading and, and giving material here that related even to Yom Kippur. Because what was happening with like, for instance, the high priest of Israel, uh, when he's entering into um, that place in the Holy of Holies and crossing through that threshold, he's crossing into a realm really not just of uh, an ark that had been built, but in the realm of God where the very essence of God was enthroned above the cherubim. And you know, you know, because you've heard the story that if a high priest entered in that place and lacked in um, holiness and wasn't made ready and wasn't clean and prepared, you know, they, they say that they would tie a rope around his foot because he'd die in there. No one's going in there. They'd have to pull him out by a rope. The Holy Spirit begins to commune with me, and he said, that's that place, uh, that's that threshold crossing place that I'm uh, speaking to you about, son. That's a, a crossing in of a place where my very essence is, the very nature of God on, on another side of, of this realm that's through this fourth heaven. I, and I said, Lord, no wonder you were so angry at the kings of Judah. And no wonder the indictment is in Scripture that they... It says eight of them, six of them followed the ways of the Lord and loved the Lord, but did not tear down the high places. I said, oh, Lord, I get it. I see what you're saying. You're saying that without tearing down these high places and opening up this fourth dimensional place, your essence, the, the very thing that Jesus paid for is in a way has been held back because the leadership of the church. And he said, yes, you got it. 
And he said, that's why I told you I'll hold you liable. I'll hold you liable for not seeing a release on my people uh, in this congregation and in this land. I'll hold you liable for your leadership position. You tear down the high places. Why? Because I want my nature, my very quintessence to come through and integrate with my people. And I want a people prepared for this end times. This is the purpose of this, that we would be prepared in holiness and made right before him in the brightness of his glory for the inbreaking of the Lord who is coming. That he's got a bride that he will have without spot or wrinkle. Yeah, we may be uh, few in number right now, but the Lord is opening up something within our hearts where this very quintessence, the very nature, the divine essence of God so penetrates the human heart that you become walking, talking um, people filled with the very Christ nature, transmitting light out of ourselves to a lost you know, and perverse generation. The Lord wants this in his bride and in his people. I mean, especially right now, like never before. And he'll have it, and he deserves it. And I said to the Lord, I was like, I mean, after all we've been through as a family, and I was like, no wonder no one ever makes it through this. I mean, hardly at all. Uh, and I said to the Lord, I said, why are the kings of, it, why are the kings of Judah do that? It's really interesting, because the Lord's like, do you know what privilege does to you when you've got everything handed to you and you come and ascend a throne and nobody can tell you what to do? <laughs> what reason do you have to tear down a high place? Do you know how you was acting with your texting and driving? He's like, he said, the king's daddy dies, the next king comes. He's like, I'm the boss, everybody knows it. You do what I tell you to do. What purpose does he have in tearing down the high places? He said, that's why I'm doing a rise root movement among my people. It's not grassroot. It's rising up out of the stump of Jesse. Why? Because, well, we won't forget what we come from. You know, I know I came from hillbillies. <laughs> I know where I come from. And tenant farmers. I understand. I didn't come, I didn't grow up in privilege like that. And he's like, you know, I think it was Josiah could handle that because he was eight years old and his, I think it was his, was his mom or his grandmother's trying to kill him. I mean, he was under a threat and having to be locked up in a closet. You know, some of us have been going through some stuff, but see, don't look at it like, oh, this is just terrible because I've been going through stuff. It's been ordained of the Lord to bring you into a place. Bring us into a place that otherwise could never have been ours. I mean, without having to go through something. Why? Because uh, we have been so filled with pride and justified ourselves and been so pretentious about everything if everything had been handed to us. Some of you have been through years, years of like learning what it is not like so that when you come into the revelation of who he really is, you know the distinct difference. So it's not a game anymore. It's like, you know what? I'm not playing games. I've been through too much. I'm, I'm staying with this Lord. And at every time our heart begins to sway or go on to its own thing, it's, oh my gosh, I need you, Lord. Because I remember what I was. 
And the Lord can get a rise root people, a people born out of the stump of Jesse, uh, where the vine is coming forth. Uh, and he can plant something. Uh, he can plant something that's eternal, that's built out of the heavens instead of something that's built out of the ground. So I found out today, it's just spun, just, just spun me up. If you look on Team Reach, if, and if you're not on there, get on there, but if, and we'll help you get on there. If you look on Team Reach, you'll look at the, the number of today. It's called X2M 152 4Q 418-8113. You say, what kind of event is that? That's a Qumran scroll. Because the Lord said, you'll find star cluster in Qumran. And I said, okay, I don't know what that means. He said, you'll find it in the ancient documents, in the Essenes. You'll find what's meant for this congregation there. And so I found 4Q418-8113. I want to tell you what the title of it is. Oh, Lord. It's called the Eternal Planting. Words like says to me, he said, you know what I'm doing with this congregation? Well, I'm building one that's born out of the heavens. I'm planting me one like Jezreel, one that I'm sowing, one that I designed. Not the manifestation of man, not man's ability and not what man can do, but something I can build, something that's something that I can magnify my name through. And I draw to me together a people that are, um, they have a propensity towards the heavens. Yeah, some of you come out of the new age and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. You know why? Because you were made for the heavens. You were made for him. So, so, the eternal planting of the Lord, God plants. God sows in Jezreel. 4Q4188113. I put it on Team Reese, so you I want you to get into JSTOR if you can, and I'll help you if you can't, but I want you to read this um, paper that, that I've got pulled together. I read this morning. I can't, I would I would spend the next five hours with you. I would. I've got so much material here I could go through and tell you the glory of the eternal planning of the Lord. It's written by Patrick A. Tiller out of the wisdom of the Qumran. And when the Essenes were out there, oh man, we're seeking the Lord. You know, John the Baptist was out there with them, hanging out with them because these people were just like, man, There's one that's coming just like he was in their generation. He's coming in ours. And they were making ready for the glory of the king, his first advent. Well, the Lord's raising up like an Essene type communities all throughout the land that are waiting on the one in his second advent. where the very beginning, the protological, and the very ending, the eschatological, will come together in one, and in one people. 
a full union in Christ, a people that, that God's planted. A people that have learned to put their hands behind their back because I'll not dwell in temples made with man's hands. I'll dwell in a temple that man can't design. I'll dwell in one that only I can come and build out and function in and make uh, happen. I won't even take your human ambition and your striving and your own zealousness for me. I'm going to have to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. All I want you to do is submit yourself to me and just let me have my way with you. And so there it is. let you, Lord. I think there's enough people in this room that have tried everything. <laughs> We've tried everything, haven't we? That's why we're here, because we know I tried everything. It didn't work. I tried this, and I tried that, and that don't work, and this didn't work, and that didn't work, and uh, well, you know what? Uh, I would throw my, I'm going to throw myself on the mercies of the Lord, on the one who is holy and righteous and true. Oh. And then he said, you know what? I put eternity in your hearts and nothing else will satisfy you. Nothing. Nothing will ever satisfy you. Nothing will ever bring you fulfillment because you got eternity shut up inside of you. Ooh. Something's inside saying I gotta come out. I'm gonna shed this mortal body and put on immortality. This old body, this grave, it can't hold me. There's a victory that's been satisfied. Old death, where's your sting? Swallow it up. Swallow it up in the Lord. Swallow it up in victory. Feel the burn, the star-like seed. Light. Light coming out, light breaking out. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Raise up this community. Build out the heavens. Eternal glory. The one you plant. Let's come forward for a communion. We'll take it together. Amen.
took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How sweet are you, Lord. How glorious are you, Lord. How fascinating are you, Lord. How amazing are you, Lord. How holy are you, Lord. You're the glory. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. You're the prize, Lord. You're the majesty, Lord. You're the life giver. You're the I magnify you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Glory are you, Lord. Holy. Yes, Lord. I bless your name. Bless you, Lord. I bless you in your sanctuary. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord's presence be with you. May he write his name on your forehead. May you have peace. Amen. Bless you today. Yeah. 
the night. 